0: Welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me, I have a very, very special guest. It is my real-life friend, Patreon of the pod, and recurring character, my buddy Nick. What's up, Nick? How's it going?
1: Hi, everybody. Uh, Nick here. Very much real. Very much uh, live in person.
0: Yeah, yeah, really exciting. We kicked uh, Ian and Chuck out this week because it is 4th of July, so we can't have any Brits around here. Uh -uh. Um, But we are doing a summer series of uh, preview-ish type podcasts, kind of bonus episodes over the summer. Um, Chuck will be bringing to you a collection of preview pods of the teams that would probably get a little less attention from us, aka all the ones that start with B, so your Brighton, your Bournemouth, your Bevertons, all of those. (laughs) Um, And I thought this would be a good time in between seasons and coming off of the back of your first season as a Premier League fan, as a soccer fan, to check in and kind of see how that went for you. Um, I think you have a really interesting and unique perspective that people might want to hear. I know a lot of people in between the summers tend to be like, oh, am I going to get into the Premier League? Is this a new thing that I have interest in?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought Mm it would be a
0: good time to talk to you about that. Uh, But first, how's your summer going, bud?
1: summer's going great um just got back in town back home yesterday uh we went to a wedding in the midwest uh took nora on a plane lovely to see some friends um especially after like still sort of like coming out of two years of not really seeing anybody so it was was lovely lovely to get out there yeah nora
0: Nora is a child and not an adult person
1: just to to be clear for the listeners nora is my uh today 10 month old uh daughter
0: oh happy 10th month birthday to the nugget yeah
1: not sure what to call it either, but it's exciting.
0: Yeah, good times, good times. All right. Um. So I figured we could start off with the first question of why soccer and why now? What sort of drew you to the Premier League? Why 2021 was your first time? You were like, "Hey, I'm gonna check this shit out." Like, what? What brought you here?
1: Yeah. Um. So I've been a longtime sports player and sports watcher. Um. As an American, mostly focused on like Major League Baseball and the National Football League, and it wasn't necessarily like that I had. Wanted to find a new sport, but rather like a new sport found me based off of changes that were happening in my life so I'm a high school teacher and I've been teaching high school for six years and Going back to my first couple years teaching those first couple years are like totally crazy You spend Monday through Friday like frantically trying to get through the day with your head on straight and then you spend a lot of your weekend or at least I did and I know a lot of my peers do just sort of like Frantically grading things and then trying to make plans for the next week and the way that manifested itself in my life was being in my living room in front of a tv at 7 30 eastern standard time (laughs) and putting on uh whatever sports were on which was usually the premier league my wife Caitlin was totally cool with it she grew up being an athlete uh playing largely basketball and soccer so watching the premier league sort of casually has been a thing that's been in our life and in my life specifically for several years um and it was going into this year that we kind of decided we wanted to we wanted to make a commitment, right? We didn't want to see each other casually anymore. We wanted to make things serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: You have a baby. You're like, we're gonna have to raise this child in some sort of soccer household. So we should probably pick a team.
1: Yeah. Oh, and and that was such a big element of it too. Because I don't know anyone who's listening who like has a child who was an infant, which is all children. Like, you can't really do anything for six months. You are just like going from wake window to wake window. So uh, we really wanted like make a commitment this year to in- intensify sort of what the soccer watching experience is going to be to give us something a little bit more have a little bit more emotional connection to it
0: awesome love that love that um that's interesting too because i think for a lot of americans it tends to be around like the world cup they're like and that certainly Mm -hmm. was the case for me of like oh i really like this maybe i should find more (laughs) um but that's a pretty cool way to come to it i like that uh why don't you give us then like a review of like how'd that go with your seven thirty kickoffs and your afternoon kickoffs during the week and all that, like general first impressions after your first year of premier league, like fandom.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a great ritual, uh, not just like adding on to like, I'm still a high school teacher. So like, I still need that weekend time to like get my, my ish together for the following week. So having, like soccer being able to join us on these rituals of like professional life, but also like now uh, being a parent is like a a, a deep connection that helped us get through some of those challenging first couple months um, of uh, this this burgeoning adventure that is parenthood. Um, Should we talk about how we picked a team?
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely get to that for sure. I think I want to keep it a little general at first. Um, Cool. So like, for example, how would you compare it to like, uh, you said you're MLB and NFL guy, you're more like traditional – quote-unquote american sports how does like your outside perspective on premier league fandom compare to that like is it really different is it sports basically the same thing everywhere how'd that go I, for you
1: there are definitely elements of similarity to all sports fandoms um i think that it kind of has in many ways the per, premier league has an ideal number of matches if that makes sense uh for example um the national football league um They have, like, 17 regular season games, which is great. And as a sports addict, like, they have this perfect amount that keeps you wanting more. Um, But then as a lived experience, like, you just want more American football and you're not getting it, whereas baseball has 162 games. (laughs) An insane amount. Like, frankly, an
0: insane amount of sports.
1: It's it's too many games. You can't realistically, as an adult, watch them all, which means you're sort of just, like, checking your phone to see box scores and keeping up with statistics, or in my case, like, some fantasy teams to, like – sort of see the the strokes and the trajectories of the season. Whereas like the, the premier league schedule is kind of perfect getting every team twice. You're getting it over a long enough period of time. Like if you happen to, um, you know, like, uh, miss the rest of the league one week, like it, it, it's of really, you're not missing out on that much, but it, it's, it's peppered in perfectly. So I enjoyed the, the scope of the season. Um, even if I was annoyed by sometimes there's just like randomly not matches on random weekends. And as a first timer, I didn't know that that was coming. So that was really upsetting.
0: Oh, the international breaks. We hate them too. Long time fans yeah. hate them just as much.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Africa cup of nations this year.
0: Yes. Although I think that got moved because of like flooding or something. I don't know. You look it up people, but, um, okay. Yeah, that that does uh, provide an interesting sort of wrench in the fandom nature of it. And there's also all the different cup cup competitions, the the Champions League, the FA Cup, the League Cup. Did did that confuse you? Did that add too much of the soccer? Were you able to separate that out and mostly just watch the Prem? How how was that?
1: There was definitely not too much of the soccer. Um, (laughs) um, But what I would say is like, and I suppose we'll come back to this in a little bit, is like the FA Cup and, you know, your Carabao Cups and the Champions League, they all provided, like, different wrinkles and elements that I found were really interesting. I thought it was really neat to get, at least in America, the ESPN Plus app and, like, watch random the FA cup matches of like a third tier team versus some semi-professional team. Mm, That was, mm -hmm. that was just thrilling to me that I I thought that was the most romantic thing. Maybe I'd ever seen in sports. (laughs) Um, I I remember specifically AFC Wimbledon, uh, the third tier team lost to some fifth tier team at the fifth tier team's park. And I was like, these, home, these guys might be playing in my neighborhood right now. And they just beat a professional team. I, I was moved emotionally by that competition.
0: That's fascinating. That's so the opposite of me. You and Ian are like out here for, just standing the pyramid, just being like, yes, local it, pub team.
1: Very it, important. It, it, it was so neat. And it wasn't that it was important. It's objectively silly, but it was just, oh, it's, there's, there's romance involved in it that I, I can't perfectly articulate right now, but it was, it was beautiful. I love that.
0: I love to hear that. At least somebody out here on this side of the pond is enjoying the the lower division teams going at it.
1: (laughs) Um, Another element of the Premier League that I really liked I I didn't really know that this was going to be so compelling, was that like, not just the title race, but your race for Champions League, your race for mm-hmm. Europa, then mm-hmm. the relegation battle, and like maybe this year was particularly compelling. There were so many things to be decided going into the last couple of weeks, but that in, it's in a really interesting element. I remember, and like spoiler alert, didn't choose to support Everton, but I remember following the is Everton going to be relegated. Um, battle and it being just as compelling as who's going to win the league. Uh, the notion of like a, a club that, that historic would be relegated to me was just completely fascinating.
0: Oh, I love relegation. It is one of my favorite things about the Premier League compared to American mm-hmm. sports because as as a longtime Knicks fan, I've seen a <laughs> lot of tanking seasons where it seems like yes. we don't have anything to play for. We're just going to lose as much as possible, maybe yeah. get a better draft pick. Mm-hmm. And that has always driven me crazy. Like At least yes. go out there and like give it a go. Right. And you in, in the, the prem there's so much to root for up and down the table. It's it's fascinating. I guess in basketball the closest thing would be like the final playoff spot or the wild card race in baseball. Yeah. Right. But like you do, you have you can check in your team, whether you're a mid table team, a top team, a bottom team. Yeah there's like you're gonna have something probably going on at the end of the year. So that's really yeah. really cool for me at least.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. And like one thing I, I know it's never going to happen, but I, I wish would happen in American sports, is like I imagine that that relegation battle like a this is a reference that maybe only you are going to understand. A Week 18 game that's like Jacksonville Jaguars versus New York Jets mattering because one of those teams <laughs> wouldn't be would be semi-professional next year. That's like that would be so profoundly compelling to me that I, I didn't know how much I was going to really eat up the relegation race um, and just be truly fascinated by
0: it. I mean, calling the Jets semi-professional is generous, <laughs> if anything. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let's come back to the team then the team choosing experience. How, yeah. uh, how was that for you? How did you go into it? Like, did you have a strategy in mind when you came in? Did you have a couple of teams you had previously picked out? I know we went to a bright eyes concert and spent like yeah. 12 hours just going through like the history yeah. of the teams so, and stuff. So t- talk me through that process for you.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, let's, let's walk people through the dinner conversation prior to the concert. Um, because I, I think for me, like for a couple of years, Caitlin, my wife and I, had been considering like, we should pick a team to make this more interesting, more compelling. And what's so weird about that process is it's completely unnatural to, as an adult, like, pick a sports fandom to choose one. Because Mm -hmm. again, we've established like you and I both have American sports interests. I love baseball. I love American football. But the teams that I chose to root for the Boston Red Sox and the New England Patriots, I chose to root for because like my dad and my dad's dad rooted for them. I inherited that fandom as a child. And the moments that made me commit to that fandom happened when I was in the case of the Patriots 11 years old, and in case of the Red Sox, really just like, Hey, just a childhood of tragedy, and <laughs> then when I was 14 years old, then winning the World Series in the most unimaginable way possible. So like those moments were forged into me as an adolescent, and when you're coming as an adult, you have to like go through like the intellectual process of what team should I root for? And that's when you and I laid down a bunch of criteria. I remember a few. Do you remember a bunch?
0: I I know my criteria from when I chose Chelsea because I've told this story so many times over the years. But I think it's, like, really different for everyone. And I think that is, like, the natural place to start. So, like, for me, I wanted a London team because, like, I want to go visit London and I want to go see that team play. And realistically, like, if I'm going to England, I don't want to take, like, a day or two away from London to go visit Liverpool or, although I've heard good things, um, Manchester. Like, I want – I specifically was like, okay, it's got to be a London team for me. And I also didn't want to inherit another Knicks – So, for me, it was like, I want a team competing at the top, right? And, like, that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. So, Mm -hmm. I don't remember all of them. What were your sort of, like, criteria when you were um, hiring for this position?
1: (laughs) So you nailed two of them right off the bat. So the first was, I want it to be in a city that I want to go to, right? So I've I've been to the UK, I've spent a, not a significant amount of time, but a fairly significant time, uh, amount of time as a just traveling American in England. Um, so like I've been to a couple cities, so I, I knew it wanted to be a place that I'd want to go to again, so I could theoretically um, go to a game. Then I know another one was like I think the exact words were along the lines of like, I want them to be more or less competitive every year, right? I want Mm -hmm, it to be mm -hmm. realistic that when we start each year, there's a hope that they're going to be at least competing for fourth, right? and like, given the nature of the league, there aren't that many teams that are competing for first every year. Yeah. So competing for fourth for many teams, like, sorry, for, for many teams and fandoms, like is totally a valid a goal to aspire to. Um, I remember we talked ownership. And like, I, it's hard to like, evaluate the goodness of various evil billionaires. Yeah. But yep. I remember, like, I didn't want to be an oil state. Um, and not to like bootlick ownership, but one of the reasons I chose who I did was because of a continuity and ownership thing. Um, I wanted, I wanted some kits that were rockable.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: I like that. I I wanted some, some proper drip and that would be a huge
0: plus in the arsenal column to me. They have like, as much as it pains me to say their, their uniforms are consistently stylish. It's
1: about all they have going for them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, and then I remember a couple more, um, one of them was, I, I remember this specifically, was I wanted a team with a long history of mostly pain.
0: Okay, okay. Right? There's plenty to I, choose from there, that's for right. sure.
1: Right, yeah, there's a lot of teams that way, but like I, I think I wanted, like, I didn't want to jump in on a bandwagon, even if that was going to bring me, like, more short-term joy and like again like it's this is an intellectual exercise of like selecting a team i don't have this generational involvement of it so i wouldn't feel super guilty of like picking a city like intellectually like if you want like the most joy out of your watching experience you should probably pick them but they didn't hit a lot of the other criteria
0: okay all right cool so i i do remember that sounds like you pretty quickly narrowed it down to the big six. I do remember talking you off of the Everton team, like that you was sure that was did. in the running, and I was very concerned. Thank um, God you did. Yeah, what was it about Everton that kind of drew you for a second there before you kind of rolled um,
1: them out? So <laughs> there's a couple things. First off, as you said on the pod, in like a, a thing that's like kind of unbelievable for your co-hosts is that like there's like a really sizable american everton fan base
0: there is yes Um, they're all
1: over i I don't remember why you 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 told me uh, a a story once why do you remember
0: yeah so um obviously tim howard was like one of the most famous american players especially when that like the 2014 world cup with that game against belgium um with all the saves i don't know how much you'll remember that but like a lot of americans were like oh this tim howard guy he's pretty cool um, and he was a longtime Everton guy. Also, Landon yep. Donovan went to Everton for a few yeah. Januarys in a row there when it was like first taking off 2010-2014 World Cups time. Um, there's just kind of always been an American presence at Everton. Mm-hmm. And once um, a community starts, you know, like if I'm recruiting someone to be a Premier League fan in America, I'm going to try to recruit them to my team or at least a team right. that they're going to have people to talk to about. Like no one wants to be full disrespect to chuck a palace fan in america because like you're not going to know anyone who's a palace fan like they're just not, not
1: not around right i met a palace fan sorry i uh realized someone i know was a palace fan just this past weekend while traveling really so, so chuck if you're ever in um if you're ever in uh rumford rhode island look for leandro and he'll uh he'll be rocking his palace gear there you go
0: a palace fan in the <laughs> wild in america fascinating <laughs> Um, so yeah, so we pretty quickly narrowed it down for you. We were in, was it in Worcester, Mass, that we went to that concert?
1: We were in, we were in Worcester. Yeah. uh, A town that you were just in love with, brother.
0: Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Love all the New England towns. Um, but we were walking around and you like, I remember selling Spurs much, you were were, like very quickly onto the teams that I hate, (laughs) which felt passive aggressive, if I'm being honest. Um, but yeah, so like... What what else was – what was in the running? What were like the last kind of finalists, the last round of interviews for you? Do you remember? Uh,
1: Yeah. So I remember – so like of the criteria we laid out, history, chance of being successful most years, um, fly uniforms, uh, again, history of mostly pain, and then uh, like not evil ownership. It really narrowed it down to just a couple teams. And like regardless of the ownership thing – and this was before – uh Chelsea's whole gestures vaguely at everything I wouldn't have picked Chelsea anyway <laughs> I wouldn't pick Chelsea anyway because like I want to pick a team that was gonna bug you you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I mm-hmm. I wanted our soccer commitment to one another to like be playfully antagonistic and you know if, if we were just sitting there being like man Chelsea are good it was fun to watch them win today like I, I feel like that's a little less fun as the competition um and then like obviously both Manchester teams were out because like I, I, there's, I couldn't in gun, good conscience like pick United to root for yeah. um, for just a bunch of all the reasons you're fans, uh, fans now. Uh, and then City felt like it felt too easy to mm-hmm, pick City. Mm-hmm. Um, you you did try and persuade me down that line. Like you, you draw out that logic where like, hey, man, if you want to have the most fun watching a team, like fun being a stand in for winning, like. There's no shame in pitching this team, but for me, it felt it, it felt too much like deciding I'm going to like baseball and choosing to like the Yankees or the Dodgers. They just they have so many material advantages that it didn't feel right. So we kind of narrowed it down to uh, Spurs, who you were just really, really trying to get me to to, to bite on. Um, we narrowed it down to West Ham. Oof! Uh, oof. Okay. I know. Glad I know. that didn't work out. <laughs> we narrowed it down to uh, Arsenal, and then Liverpool.
0: Okay, yeah, so that's all fair. I mean, I I have said this on the pod before, and I do stand by it, that if I was coming in, I would definitely end up a City fan.
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: I do want trophies. I don't want just top four, for me personally. Like, I I want trophies, because that's cool. Yeah, Uh, trophies rule. They had a lot of the other criteria. Like, they have that history of being, like, the little brother to Manchester United, and the lovable losers, and all that sort of stuff. Obviously, their recent history is all of success, but that's, like, a very, very small time window. Yeah. Um, but I can I can definitely see that feeling too bandwagony of a pick. Um, but Liverpool at the same time is like a pretty massive club. Liverpool is who you ended up going for to stop kind of beating yeah. around the bush there. Spoiler alert. Um up the Reds. What was it about yeah, gross. What was it about <laughs> Liverpool that sort of sealed the deal for you? Why them over Arsenal or Spurs, for example?
1: Um, well, it honestly it came down to being a coin flip between Spurs and And Liverpool, Arsenal were removed when you and I, right before Nora was born, went out with Caitlin and Emily the Good Doctor, and uh, I I just remember Emily shitting all over Arsenal, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'd be like, "All right, if Emily's dunking on anything this hard, it has to be so cringy, like (laughs) it has to be terrible." And so they were just they were out of the running. Um, So honestly, it came down to much of a coin flip, and uh, ultimately, I remember like. Liverpool just being a little bit more fun to watch the previous couple years. Um, it's online fandom being uh, a, a pretty lovely and, and supporting community. Um, and ultimately like kind of just viewed them as having a better chance to have like a, a, a winning future uh, over the next, you know, several years. And if not, you know, if, if all goes well to John Henry's ownership model just sustained not dominance, but sustained very, very goodness over the foreseeable future.
0: It does look to be a, a stable ship. Let's say yeah. they, they recruit really well. The mm-hmm. analytics, the, the the baseball connection actually is fascinating to me. Yeah. Obviously, on an emotional level, like you are a Red Sox fan, so that's going to yeah. draw you towards Liverpool. You're more likely to see them in the summers. They're going to want to mm-hmm. play in New England a lot. But like, sports wise, independent of the Red Sox connection, Liverpool is a very like baseball kind of team. Yes um talk about that a little bit
1: yeah i'm actually i'm really happy you asked because i wanted to and i wasn't sure like if people would want me to start trying to wax poetic about the boston red sox but like what i would say is there's a lot of connections between those two teams in that they're very old teams they're very historic teams and they're teams that most of their seasons usually end up really close to the pinnacle of the championship but usually uh, failing in an embarrassing way towards the end of the season. For Um, example,
0: with about 15 minutes to play in the title in hand and then it all
1: falls apart. Yes. Just like that. Um, And, you know, growing up a Red Sox fan and I'm I'm not going to go too long about this, but like uh, the Red Sox famously had an 86 year window between world series victories. Um, Prior to 2004, the last one they won was in 1918. uh, They always played second fiddle to the New York Yankees. Your New York Yankees, of course. Beloved. Um, who are an iconic franchise, just winning basically every third World Series for the better part of 100 years. And Boston would get either very close to a World Series or go into a World Series and lose in just unbelievable ways. If if you saw the movie about them losing, you would say that this is outrageous. This would never happen. Um, And you know when I was... 14 years old uh they famously came back from zero games to three and beat the yankees for for uh four games to three in the championship uh, yeah, I,
0: I still have a knuckle <laughs> that's too big compared to the rest of the knuckles from that 2004 just, series that stolen base and, and all yes. the other things that i try yes. not to think about ever again
1: just absolutely magical stuff from my perspective and like pain for you but like eh, whatever we, we lost one thing
0: yeah, yeah. Um, we, we have plenty other ones to kind of exactly. fall back on
1: so like there's that continuity not just of ownership and again like fuck john henry forever right I, I, he's a super billionaire um but that continuity in sort of like style of play that continuity of being from a second tier town that has a little bit of a grudge on its shoulder that they play hard they play in a feisty way it occasionally embarrasses themselves but when it all comes together uh, it comes together in a, a magical and beautiful way. Um, so I, I just saw sort of that sort of like dual trajectory amongst these clubs uh, that, that felt very familiar. Um, rooting for Liverpool felt very familiar to rooting for the Red Sox. And like they might ultimately be the best on paper, but they'll find a way to screw it up. Uh, but when they, um, when they put it all together, it's, it's a, a thing of beauty.
0: They they are they're never boring. I'll say that for no. sure. Um, I think you managed to piss off both Bostonians and Liverpudlians in that sentence by calling it a second tier city, which which I loved. Thank you Look for it, that.
1: It is. I understand. It. It's 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 the uh, Boston's the greatest city in America, but it's a second tier city.
0: Yeah, I no mean it's not it. New York and it's not London, so you know, I think that's exactly right. Um, would you recommend Liverpool? To new fans coming, like, let's say you're a random American listening to this because you're like, oh, maybe I'll get into the Premier League. Like, is that who you suggest?
1: Oh, totally. And I'll tell you why. So, like, okay, random American. Hello, random American. You have stumbled upon the Miles Offside podcast. and You happen to be be listening to the episode where the guy who chose the Premier League team last year is is waxing poetic about baseball. And (laughs) what I would say is, it was a lot of fun to root for Liverpool this reason, uh, this season. Um, and one of the reasons that made it uh, exciting to me is I learned more about the game. And this is going to sound super fucking American, but like they score a lot of goals. Americans love <laughs> they do. points. Yeah. We love points. We hate Wolves. And um, <laughs> just like they they play such beautiful attacking football. They're, like, even when they're not scoring, I don't know, two or three goals a game, they're constantly attacking. And that to me, the, the, the sensation of watching a Liverpool game and knowing that they could score at any moment has made me more engaged than, say, I don't know, um, this year's Champions League final or some like World Cup final. where basically the other teams waiting for the other team to fuck up.
0: Uh, yeah. they're, they're playing mm-hmm.
1: conservatively and waiting for one spontaneous counterattack. Now, Liverpool is constantly pushing and the sensation or the, the feeling that they're probably going to score at any moment made watching pretty much every game completely thrilling.
0: I mean, you're not wrong. Like when you have Salah and Mane doing Salah and Mane things, and then you bring in all the new young players that they're bringing in, and like they're they're transitioning really well. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's tough. Uh, I would say to new fans personally, I would not advise Arsenal or United or Spurs of the Big Six because, like, realistically, they're the the small three of the Big Six. I don't know how to say that. That's
1: a, that's a good way to put it.
0: Um, so, you know, you kind of narrow it down to Chelsea City and Liverpool, I think, if you want trophies and if you want, like, a big, bigger city of those, you might want to choose based on the ge- geography of that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but those are the three fun teams with the most uh, long-term prospects of continuing to be fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Although, who knows how it's going to be with the new Dodgers ownership at Chelsea. The baseball connection, I hope, will be good long-term. They'll be running more like Liverpool, but we'll see.
1: I think it's going to be spectacular for you, my man. Yeah, actually,
0: while I have you, this is not at all the theme of the podcast, but you know baseball (laughs) more than pretty much anybody. Like, what am I in for as a now Dodgers-owned soccer fan?
1: Okay, so to keep it concise, the Los Angeles Dodgers do everything any sports fandom would want their ownership to do. Oh, yeah. in, in that, they have an infinite pocketbook that they are always willing to pull from. But they pull from using decisions that are purely based off of analytics, and they are just unwilling to not get better every year. An example of this is the Los Angeles Dodgers won the World Series two years ago. Okay. Uh, last year, they went to the championship series against the Atlanta Braves. They lost in seven games. And instead of saying, like, oh, man, if we had just won one more game, we'd be back in the World Series. They went out and they bought the <laughs> best first baseman in planet Earth, despite the fact that they have a really good first baseman as it is.
0: Mm, um, okay.
1: They are unwilling to to tolerate anything other than always competing. Uh, and they, they make really smart decisions based off of uh, analy- sorry, really smart, analytically informed decisions, and they can just spend, spend, spend. They're like the Yankees if the Yankees had an econ degree.
0: That's, uh, yes, thank you. I just <laughs> fully erect at this point. So that is Storing, excellent my man. stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, do you want to rant a little bit about Mane leaving or any kind of like Liverpool thoughts here on the way out? I, we pretty much covered it um, in yeah, terms I mean, of like what I wanted to talk about.
1: So I, I don't, like, have a lot of, like, Money leaving thoughts, but I I, I actually do want to try and, like, thematically bridge the idea of, like, making analytically informed decisions as it relates to, like, fandom. Okay. So I, I remember before it was clear that Mane was going to be the one who was leaving and Sala was going to be the one who was staying, you were, like, you were trying to make, not like a hot takey take, but the economically informed decision that like, maybe it would be better to keep Mane and sell Salah because the returns on Salah would be so much more. And you could invest that in other parts of the club. And like, I guess my point would be that that's probably the more efficient economic team building strategy, but sometimes with fandom, you want to see like your guy be around sometimes fandoms. Mm-hmm. Sometimes fandom is illogical. In that, like, maybe since it's not your money, you're content with them spending it on the guy you want to see staying in your laundry.
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, does not compute, right? Because, yeah. like, I am the stats robot and all that. But, like, yeah. I do tend to forget the emotional yeah. side of it. Just because the emotional side of fandom has led to so many bad things in general. like mm-hmm. The tribalism yeah. and, and, and all that sort of stuff that I try to not engage with it. But at the end of the day like it, it is you're right it's nice to see your players wearing your shirt like
1: mm-hmm. yeah just the, the dudes you want to see around um i have a one thing i wanted to 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 spout to wax poetic about if you have another couple minutes
0: yeah of course <laughs> i have many minutes as many as you want
1: <laughs> beautiful um so one thing that was really interesting about picking a team as an adult was All right. So like, let's pretend your next season started, right? Mm -hmm. You have expectations. You have all of your, you know, X number of years that you've invested in this club. It was so sorry. And all the emotions that go along with that. It was so profoundly strange to say like, okay, it is week one. I have selected Liverpool. I am a Liverpool fan. But then as you're watching, not have any like, really buy in other than like your own word.
0: Okay. So what
1: was what was really neat was to like, have the fandom actually be sealed and to be forged within me. Because theoretically, if this season were was a poor season, and Liverpool shockingly finished like seventh or something, there was really nothing stopping me there was no decades worth of emotional investment in saying like it, I guess I'm gonna root for city next year.
0: i'm gonna go back to being
1: a neutral so what was fascinating was all of these varied moments throughout the season that made it so like no i did make this decision i am now emotionally uh attached to this this team and this community and it was really cool to feel that happen throughout maybe like maybe four or five different moments um to like feel the team the club have this this grip on you.
0: Okay, I have a a very like inherently philosophical question about fandom then relating to that.
1: Fucking hit me, brother, man.
0: Was it the happier like highs or was it the lower lows that sealed permanently your emotional attachment to this team?
1: I have an answer. Tell me. Um it was the tension. Okay. So it it, it is both highs and lows and we're we can talk about the lows in just a second, particularly the lows on the day that I went to the Van Gogh exhibit. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, which I'm going to tonight, by the way.
1: Oh, nice, dude. You're going to freaking love it. Yeah, I'm so excited. Oh, it's amazing. Um, so I, there were a couple moments I remember early on in the season, there was a 3-3 draw versus Brentford, which in retrospect, really wish that had been a 3-2 victory. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> yep. but I, I remember that game because there was like, five second half goals. And I was watching at my house. Nora was two and a half months old. So I have all all these connections, like experiencing the birth and growth of my daughter. But I was watching with Kate and my parents were over. And my dad, who's like, you know, classic American soccer, soccer, stupid kind of guy. Right. Yeah. He's sitting there. He's gripped. You know, he's on the edge of his seat. There's this recently promoted team that's like, kind of taking it to Liverpool. Um, So that was definitely one of them. Another was And I actually wasn't watching this. I knew that I was really on the hook because I was out getting a Christmas tree and we go to like one of the farms that you go to and you like cut it down. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Liverpool were playing wolves and it was the first matchup of the season and it was zero zero in like 90 plus four and. I'm sitting there checking my phone, just like refreshing the Google homepage of like seeing what's happening. <laughs> yeah. And I put it away because we'd found our tree and I had like nine texts from you. And it was just like, oh, and what was it was lovely to see, like, like I'm hooked in this moment. And then I get to like Google as, again, a total noob. Who is Divac Origi? Then like go down a YouTube history hole. Like, oh my God, this guy just, he scores when it matters most. This is so cool. Um, and then of course the third was um, maybe the last 15 minutes of the Premier League season.
0: Yeah. Oof. Okay. T- talk about that. Because we never, you're one of like the three Liverpool fans that still listen to this podcast because we're pretty obviously <laughs> like anti-Liverpool. Yeah, um, but like
1: you, you do it in a way that's like, Fuck these guys that I also kinda wanna hang with. Right? Like
0: Well, yeah, that's my that's my vibe. <laughs> I'm perpetually <laughs> surrounded by people I don't like. Like I'm a Star Wars fan who hates other Star Wars fans, a Chelsea fan who hates other Chelsea fans and you know
1: Yeah, all yeah of, of course. That. Yeah. Um so I would say that like the biting like tragedy that maybe some people think that I experienced this year, I did not experience. Okay. Um, last 15 minutes because the second half of the season was such a wild and magical run for liverpool in that um they they were so far down right so so many points down that like the idea of them making a comeback was so far-fetched that like as it began to play out it sort of felt like you were playing with the house money that the closer we get to this theoretical Premier League victory, um, it's all kind of gravy. The, the biggest tough one was not the last day of the season. I think it was the draw against Spurs, because then it became so mathematically unlikely that they were going to pull off this victory that I kind of wrote off the possibility. Mm-hmm. So even when um, City's down 2-0 at half and Liverpool just need to beat Wolves at home, which you know they're eventually going to do, um, It it had felt like if I'd gotten that gift, like it would have been such an incredible cherry on top of a Sunday. That if I didn't get it, I'd kind of come to terms with it because it was so unlikely all along. Well, that doesn't mean I.
0: The second half of the season was essentially you texting me side eyes emojis and me saying, "Don't get your hopes up; it's not going to happen." <laughs>
1: like, for six literally months, literally every day. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and you know, so I I think that like and like. I think what I'm about to say is going to make your other co-hosts and potentially listeners very, very mad. And it's going to sound very spoiled. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of glad they didn't win all four trophies. Because had they, I feel like I I would have been so profoundly spoiled
0: mm-hmm. to have
1: to have earned, not earned, right, to have received, but not earned this incomprehensible title. Just because I sat down and said like, hey, here are seven criteria, maybe I should root for for Liverpool, right? So that like, had I earned, had I had I received that, I don't think I would have earned it. So like, the season was magical. And yes, it ended in two consecutive weekends of disappointment, and like, glory being ripped from your fingertips. Mm-hmm. Um, but the run of them, you know, winning both the FA and EFL Cups uh, we were, was fascinating and profoundly exciting. And that goddamn 12 to 11 or 11 to 10 shootout in the um, League Cup, yeah. The Kepler, the Kepler the, Cup. Cup. the Kepler <laughs> to, to the moon. It was
0: incredible, incredible. Like, even from a Chelsea perspective, because I don't <laughs> give a fuck about the League Cup or what's it now, the Caribou Cup, whatever Caribou it is, Cup.
1: yeah.
0: Um, that was just like really good watching because both of those teams were going for it. And anytime Chelsea and Liverpool go up against each other, they go for it, Man, it's violent games. I love it.
1: Yeah. So I like, I, I don't know if like that last point I tried to make was illogical that like, I'm kind of glad the team that I root for didn't win all the titles, but like, I, I don't, I feel like the pain of getting so close to the most unimaginable premier league victory and then having it slip away. And then, you know, being in the, uh, the champions league final and losing to a team that you're we're pretty clearly a little bit better than, um, establishes maybe it's my, my blood sacrifice to the shibboleth that is pain of sports fandom. <laughs> um, yep. did, did, did I buy in? Right. Um, yeah. Do I I, I have to make a sacrifice?
0: I think there's an inherent romance to what you're saying. That makes sense to me. Like you want to be able to really taste the sweetness of Mm -hmm. the first Champions League or the first Premier League. The FA Cup and the League Cup, you got those. Those are lesser competitions anyway, like whatever. But like you want to fucking feel the high of the first Premier League title. And that only comes with having the perspective of the low. Yes. And I think that when – if they ever do win it again, hopefully they don't. Um I think that'll be that much sweeter for you. So that makes sense to me. That definitely makes sense to me. Um, let's finish off this way. Would you recommend the Premier League to your average, like, let's say you're a generic baseball fan who says like fuck soccer, soccer's stupid, and you mm-hmm. want to sell them on it. Like, what's your selling points for the Premier League? Con- convince the people to-, to buy in.
1: Okay. So um there aren't any commercials <laughs> during the <laughs> gameplay.
0: Okay. So great. like
1: my God, NFL games. Oh my God. I'm not going to get started on that because that's a separate podcast. But uh, the the, the action is nonstop. Um, There are multiple different elements to the season-long competition that are interesting, both in terms of what we talked at the top versus title versus fourth place versus Europa versus relegation that make it so that pretty much wherever your team is in the table, you've got something to fight for and something to run from. Okay.
0: Um, I like how you the, phrase that. Very nice. Th-
1: thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the online fandom is really great. Um, really good stuff. Uh, all, all, football Twitter is just oh, fantastic. Um, and then there's a lot of communities know, on Reddit that are really fun to engage with. Um, and that, it's growing, man. Get in while the stock is low. I had an experience um, twice in the last couple of weeks. I, I bought myself uh, uh, my first piece of Liverpool Swag. Okay. A couple weeks ago, I bought a hat, just a, a little hat. It's red. It says LFC. It has the logo. And I was walking around uh, Providence, Rhode Island. And a guy says to me, you'll never walk alone. And it was so cool to like get invited by a stranger into this special little club that at least in America, most people aren't in. And then last week, I'm in Wisconsin. I'm wearing a Liverpool hat again. Another guy in Wisconsin. You'll never walk alone. And for me, like there's a special uniqueness to being involved in a club. uh, And that club is not Liverpool. That club is soccer fandom. That's globally so significant, but here in America, so currently, currently small, but because it's so small, it's equally as intense and inclusive, and it wants you to join in. It wants more people in. So if you want to join a, a loving and exciting and a weird little family that gets together at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, I, I, I think you should do it.
0: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The number of times that I've had, come on, Chelsea, screamed at me from across a parking lot really does make it special. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, oh. It's good stuff. It's, it's good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I know I said that we would end there, but do you have any other, like like now that you're coming into your second season, what are you still wondering? What haven't you like quite gotten your head around? What's what's next for you in your growth as a, a Premier League and Liverpool fan? Like you haven't really done fantasy. I know that you're talking about interested in maybe doing the mob fantasy league. What else is still like to conquer for you? What else is, is new and exciting?
1: Um, I don't know if I have any like big lingering questions. What I'd really love to like, observe and maybe like the answer to this question is it doesn't happen but i'd love to like map the trajectory long and medium term of a club going from like middle tier to top tier or a a club growing from lower tier to middle tier or growing from like we used to be in, uh, you know, uh, a lower tier and now we're in the Premier League and like maintaining an equilibrium there. So maybe that's just like listening to Chuck talk about Palace, right? Because like, I think that's kind of what I'm describing. Yeah. Um, But I think that process of team building, to me is really interesting, because it's so foreign from American sports, where there are drafts, right? And like, drafts of college players who just sort of come in. Um, So I'm really curious about like. How do teams that don't have like Liverpool and Chelsea and City, these infinite budgets and statistical departments, you know, how, how do they manage the sea of going from, you know, at threat of relegation consistently to being a mid-table team and feeling like each year you're safe and competitive? That, that, that's really sort of just like, that's interesting to me. Cool.
0: All right. Well, uh, Thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I think that a lot of um, international fans might get something out of this. And if nothing yeah. else, it was fun to chat with you for like 45 minutes and just talk about soccer. So,
1: Dude, what an absolute joy.
0: All right. Well, everybody else keep an ear out for those Chuck preview pods. I know Ian is genuinely going to do like six hours on Wagatha Christie uh, because <laughs> the Patreons have been asking for it. And uh, we should be back in about a month with the regular show
1: as well. So in the meantime, everyone have a wonderful summer and we'll see you around the corner.